You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Hey there. Before we get to the show, I want to remind you guys that Black Diamond Equipment is one of the main sponsors of the Enormo Cast. And like the Enormo Cast, Black Diamond knows that the surefire way to keep climbers happy is to give them free shit, which is why they are now sponsoring the Mountain Project iPhone and Android app, something you formerly had to pay for, is now free thanks to Black Diamond. Download this app, download the cliff you're headed to, and you will have all the information you need at your fingertips, even without signal. may not be a substitute for a guidebook, but it is certainly an awesome supplement to have, especially if the current guidebook is a bit out of date. I use this app all the time. Nearly every time I go to the cliff, I've got my phone because it's my camera anyway. And there you have it. The Mountain Project app for iPhone and Android used to cost money. Now it's free. Thanks to the fine folks at Black Diamond Equipment. And as long as we're talking sponsors, don't forget that you can get a discount on great coffee at bonfirecoffee.com by entering your normal at checkout. You can get a discount on climbing holds at pureholds.com by entering Enormo at checkout. Climbinglawyer at gmail.com is still out there fielding your random legal questions. And let's not forget Maxim Ropes. They have a long-lasting love affair with the Normal Cast. So next time you're looking for a cord, consider one of the best for Maxim Ropes. All right, let's do this. Episode number 60, Building a Better Climber with Topher Donahue and Chris Van Leuven. Recorded live from climbing lawyer Dan Markoff's deck high above Boulder. Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's, that's, that's a big place. place. You sold it out. I'll say you really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. So those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed playing with you. We'll make it. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Now or later, anything. All right. Thank you. Free applause. That's nice. You're like, oh, we'll just clap now. We don't have to... Hopefully it'll be good. Hello and welcome to the Normal Cast. This is your host, Chris Galoose. It is May 17th. What, about 6 o'clock? 6.30 Mountain Standard Time. Boulder, Colorado at Dan Markoff's palatial, wonderful deck. In, in house. Um, I want to thank you all for uh, coming and sitting on the deck. Many of you probably don't have any idea what I'm about to do, but I think a lot of folks do and have listened to the podcast. Um, just a quick explanation for the, the new folks and the maybe not so much climber folks is uh, I run a podcast called The Enormal Cast and it's on the internet. That's where podcasts come from. Anybody need help with that? They just fall from the, the inter- they drip off the internet somehow. Anyway, we do one about climbing, and Dan approached me um, a little over a year ago. I've been doing it about two years, and, and uh, about being a sponsor of the podcast, had, had was convinced that climbers needed lawyering help. Um, 
It turned out that they didn't need that much, uh, but he's been a great supporter of the podcast regardless and said, well, why don't you come up for my party and there'll be a bunch of climbers there and we'll do a live podcast from the stage. So that's what's going on and why there is a person talking to you on a stage right now. Anyway, thanks again for coming. Um, I'm going to bring up a couple guests in just a, in a couple minutes. And both these guys I'm going to bring up actually warrant their own show. I, I often do, uh, mostly it's an interview show where I do long-form interviews with climbers of note. And uh, both these guys have quite a deep resume, um, but they definitely deserve a show of their own. So maybe we'll get that done down the line. Topher Donahue and Chris Van Leuven, if you guys would come on up. And you can, somebody gets the crummy chair, someone gets the nice chair. Right on. You're used to that kind of thing. Uncomfortable climbing situations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so again, when you want it, you know, straight out, talk like this. We're supposed to lick it? Yeah, just a little bit. Lick the ice cream. Yeah, don't lick. These are not our mics, so don't lick them. (laughs) Right? Where are the guys on the mics? Sort of air lick? Yeah, air lick. Almost. You could if you wanted to. Don't lick the mics, please, Chris. Um, I'm going to bring him up a little bit. Okay, so the topic, this is a little bit different show. It's kind of a combination of a topic show, which are shows that I do where we sort of discuss an idea in climbing, and a live show with a couple guests. Topher Donahue, I've known for 20 years, probably. Yeah, a little over. Yeah, right about. Yeah, because I started guiding um, at the Colorado Mountain School in Estes Park in 1993. And at that point, Topher's father... Mike Donahue owned uh, owned CMS up in Estes Park, just above where we are right now, and uh, I was a you know right out of college and just a little bit older than you, Topher. I think. How old are you right now? Do we have to talk about that? Yeah, forty-two. Oh yeah, see, I'm forty-three. So Topher was like the young gun, and I was almost the young gun, which was upsetting to me at the time because I was like, I'm supposed to be the young good climber. You got over that though. Yeah, I did <laughs> quite quite quickly. But anyway, so I've known Topher for twenty years. We guided together for several years in in between your trips all over the world. Uh, Topher was kind of in and out as as like a world traveler and a climber, but learned a lot from him. Learned a lot from his dad, not only just about guiding, but about climbing in general so i appreciate you coming on the on the show topher well thank you and i'm i gotta say i'm really glad you quit aid climbing so much yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was a little after that yeah thanks I, I met you aid climbing yeah yeah we'll see now you're 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 you have a different perspective so let's move over here to chris van leuven chris van leuven i've also known for quite a few years we've met uh the fisher towers in oh February yes. of like 96 or something uh-huh you were doing west side story i was starting a ongoing project and uh it was snowing yeah that's right we were on west side story and i was n- nearby you and you guys were climbing that route who who'd you climb that with this guy sean mccray from gunnison oh sean mccray from yeah, gunnison the difference is yeah yes and uh yeah we started that day it snowed out and came back and spent like 13 days on that new route yeah and i bailed and never came back i never did <laughs> climb west side story actually oh no no why not? I just, <laughs> I was over it. You, you sold all these like A5 routes in the Fishers and you were like, you it was know below what? my pay grade, uh, basically. No, I, I don't remember what happened. But uh, Chris also lived in Carbondale for a while and worked at Climbing Magazine for a while. Has been a big valley climber, uh, quite a good resume on, on the big walls and, and that sort of thing. Chris is working for the Colorado Mountain School or Total Climbing. Uh, I call it the Colorado Mountain School. I'm the sales and marketing manager. Nice. Yeah, very. Heady, heady title for an old dirtbag climber. I know. It's, it's the thing. I have this house. I don't live in my car. 
Nice. <laughs> How's that going? It's new. I'm yeah. like, whoa. Uh, there's like laundry and right. I buy fancy clothes now. Right, that's cool. Do you ever yeah. go sleep in your car just for old time's sake? <laughs> yeah, it's not quite flat in the back, but sometimes just for nostalgia's sake, I get in there. Yeah, sometimes beds are uncomfortable. This is too soft. <laughs> too you know? soft. I'm not yeah. used to it. A- and also, Topher's going to be running a class for these guys, which I'll get into in a little bit. He's no, you're no longer like a guide up there. You haven't been for quite a long time at CMS. But this summer, you're going to be running a course for these guys. Well, for a long time, I mostly guide myself. And this has been challenging. <laughs> guide yourself? Like you're your own client? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Come on, fella, you can do it. You can do it. You got that's it. Right, Put your foot right. right there. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. get it up just a little bit, a little bit more. I, yeah. just, I hate myself sometimes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so sick of me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so tell me a little bit about the course that you, you're going to run with, the, with CMS this summer. Well, the idea is kind of a, a trad coaching to t- teach people how to be better traditional climbers, to kind of go from being a aspiring climber with natural gear and climbing cliffs without bolts in them so much uh, to to being a competent climber on their own on their own protection and and going out and challenging themselves in the way they want to challenge themselves which is how I got involved with Chris's in normal cast was to sort of talk about what it takes to to go from being a beginner to being a competent solid safe climber and it's a it's a big undertaking I, I moved to Yosemite, for example, as a sport climber, and I had a terrible time for the first few years because I just did all these things wrong. You know, got rope stuck in every rappel. And so it's nice to know that there's options, to, uh, the best ways to learn climbing, because doing it on your own and le- getting through those steps, becoming a competent track climber, can result in a lot of scary leads and uh, unnerving experiences. Wouldn't you agree, Topher? Oh, for sure. I mean, a, a lot of my you know friends are climbers who learned on their own, and you go through this really dangerous learning curve in the beginning if you don't learn from from competent climbers. It doesn't have to be a guide. Doing it with a guide is probably the best way, but you can learn from a from a friend who's a who's a great climber and and, and make it safe. But if you go out with your friends who are not great climbers, you, you kind of set yourself up for a bit of a sketchy learning curve. Well, the one thing I wanted to say was Dan actually gave me an idea for a show, and that's how this kind of these guys kind of came together on it. Um, because Dan pointed out to me that a lot of the training and a lot of the instruction, it, it it talks in books and things talk about like how to climb really hard and how to you know get really strong and do campusing and get your fingers all in shape so you can climb supposedly you know five thirteen five fourteen, and and. I don't know, there seems to be this assumption that somewhere else you learned how to do all these other things. And, you know, looking at diagrams in Freedom of the Hills and uh, reading about, like, you know, all these arcane uh, old things that happen in the mountains in a book, somehow it doesn't really get you there. And I also have this other theory about the mentoring. And I've had mentors from the beginning. And plus Freedom of the Hills, that's books been really yeah. helpful. But mentors keep you from making the same mistakes. They're kind of catching you early on. And well, people always ask me about mentoring. And they've asked me actually, hey, will you be my mentor? You know, like it's kind of a weird thing because it's like how, how, do, you get, uh, how do you get a mentor? And I, I have this theory. Somebody asked you that? Yeah. People do all the time, man. <laughs> no. But I have this theory that, that we've actually sort of stressed – overstressed the mentoring system like uh, I've been you know you've been hearing about the VA hospital and like all these waiting lines and in the news like in the last couple weeks because you know they have all these people returning and they haven't added any doctors and they you know they have the same system from 20 years ago but now we have this influx of people that need help and and I feel like climbing that's happened like gyms and the popularity climbing is like you know 
just stress the system. Like there's just not enough people out there that, you know what I mean? Like if you look at it, it's like this growing upside down pyramid. And, you know, if one guy's got to mentor 20 dudes coming out of the gym, like that's too much mentoring. Like if there was a mentoring center, there'd be like a line out the door. Like I'm and the dude be like, look, I can't do it this week. And I want to go climb my own things, you know, like well, with, with guiding you, you kind of, I think you save years of personal fear climbing because you have someone to go to who you don't, not everyone gets a mentor, but if you spend money, you can have someone who's trained, who spent years and years getting certifications and can actually show you the right way. And I think that's worth a lot. I, if I did that, I probably wouldn't have been that scared climbing. Right. Uh, well, way, what fun would that have been? Well, it's not that cool being like, I'm going to die again. Again. <laughs> For the third time this week. <laughs> but I, I guess the, the idea behind this, po- this show was to be the digital mentors right now. We're, we're in your ear right now, going to mentor you. Well, I was going to say, I agree with you. I think mentoring is pointless. And my, my reason for that is that <laughs> I think that you, the cool thing about climbing is I've climbed with people who are blind, paraplegic. They're more overweight than they actually weigh. Uh, what does that the, mean exactly? Like, let's say if you weighed 100 pounds, then you, let's say you, well, that's, yeah, I mean, you're right. That's a good question. I don't weigh 100 pounds, but. Well, let's say you did weigh 100 pounds, then you, they, or I should say they weigh more than their healthy weight would be. So, okay. if, so a 100 pound person who should be 100 pounds actually weighs 220. That would be, okay. that's what I'm saying. So I've climbed with people who are like that. And the cool thing about climbing is you can go out on your very first day climbing. And all these people that I've climbed with, no, no athletic ability whatsoever, and they get to go out on their very first day and have a real climbing experience, just like I do after climbing for 35 or close to 40 years now, or the best climbers in the world have on their day. Climbing, you get to experience the very real thing your first time. And if you think about other outdoor sports, like kayaking or skiing or surfing, surfing's a perfect example. You go, out, catch a wave. you go out surfing like 40 times. You're like, I still haven't surfed. Maybe one of these days I'm going to get to surf. You know, And climbing, you go out your very first day, and you get to climb. I agree. I, I go out with a lot of folks. From I wasn't the arguing with you. No, I, I just, it's a pretty special thing because they're, they're either a first time climber right next to a long term climber and they're having that same experience. You know, they get to actually feel what it's like to be on real rock, climbing on real holds, um, like catching a wave, although you don't, you won't get that your first time, but you will climbing. That's true. Well, the other thing that I wasn't arguing with you either. I, well, I, I'm not arguing with you, Topher. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> I knew it. Is that, you know, we've talked about this a bunch, and I think I might have mentioned it on the show before, but there's this, there's like a beginner climber, and then there's like, you know, people who are super solid, and the in between, there's like right after beginner zone is like the danger zone. Because you know some stuff, but you don't know enough stuff. And, and, you know, when I used to guide on Lumpy Ridge up there at CMS, like, that was the people who, A, I was the most worried about, and B, they gave me the most attitude in this really weird way because a beginner is someone who's like, oh, yeah, tell me something I need to know. But then all of a sudden you get to this point where you sort of think you're, you know, you're pretty hot shit and you, you know, you've led a few routes and all of a sudden like – and I, I was there as well. I'm not saying that this is something that only other people have done but you kind of are like, well, just – Leave me alone. I know what I'm doing, you know. And if somebody better than you, I remember feeling this way in Eldo a couple times of some guy like tossing me a little bit of advice, and I just got ah, like really mad at him, like, you know, like I think it comes from my brother beating up on me and stuff. Did you tell him to stop talking to you? Yeah, I just I seriously was like I gave him so much attitude, but he was looking back on it, he was so right, like, but and so I kind of was like thinking about this danger zone and and how did we survive it and 
and I just kind of wanted to get into some some talk a little bit about that, about where do we go from there? And this is something that I think a lot of good climbers can look back and think about their own sort of situation of how they got through that system and also what kind of things they skipped, you know, because a lot of my really good climbing buddies, they don't know jack about self-rescue. Like they could probably get themselves out of most situations with the knots they know and everything else, but most of them don't know too much about like the the right way to go into self rescue. They kind of like skipped that little level over it. So let's start thinking about like what you guys think are essential things that people need to kind of start thinking about, or essential ways in which they ought to start thinking about climbing as they move into becoming you know an independent leader and that sort of thing. I have a lot of friends who are like, uh, can webbing go over an edge? And they have these really basic questions. I'm like, I've climbed with you for a long time. You really don't understand that you can extend anchors? I think the first thing is to understand how to set up an anchor safely, to extend it, to make sure the carabiners aren't going to get dinged open, and to make sure everything is is safe from the top down if you're going to rappel in or or top rope in an area. I think, um, number one, learn safe anchoring. I guess, the, yeah, of course. The first thing you got to learn how to do is set safe anchor so you can keep yourself off the ground if you fall off. And, you know, I was told when I was beginning to climb that you can challenge yourself with the climbing or you can challenge yourself with the safety systems. But you really don't want to do both at the same time in the beginning. You start out, if you start out and you challenge yourself with both the safety systems and the climbing, you're in for a world of hurt. So you first have to go out and learn how to set up the safety systems. And separately, you can go to the gym, and you can challenge yourself with the climbing on top rope or with a competent friend or in the bouldering gym or whatever. But you don't want to do both at the same time. And then as you learn a little bit more, you can begin to challenge both the safety systems and the climbing. And that's where it gets tricky because sooner or later you start – Sooner or later, you start doing something that's, a, yeah, you, can, you know how to place protection. You know how those little cam things work. You know how the little carabiners work. You learn how those things work. But we, you know, in this era, we, we have a big deficit over the old timers because we think this gear is meant to stay in the rock. And it's actually not. The gear is meant to be sold to you. <laughs> and that's a big difference. So you got to learn that it doesn't really matter. I mean, I've climbed in East Germany where all you get to use is slings and knots and ropes. You don't get to use metal equipment. And you just like sling them around horns and you clip them and you, and you clip them and you go up with your, with your knot jammed in a crack or whatever. And really, it works there too. And so it's real important to sort of detach yourself from the technology of climbing and get into just watching your ass. When I was teaching leading, I had this little trick question that I'd ask people about, you know, well, I said, okay, so if you're climbing, you know, what's, what's the first thing that's going to keep you safe? What's the first thing that's going to keep you from hitting the ground? People would always, you know, the rope. I'm like, no, that's not the rope. You know, well, the last piece that you've just placed below you. And I'd, I'd be like, no, it's your climbing ability. It's the fact is, is that most of the time, if, if I went out to Lumpy Ridge for a day of climbing, five or six pitches, I wouldn't fall on any of them. So all that stuff I'd placed in the rock was completely irrelevant. I don't know if it would have held me or not because I never found out. What do you mean? You were aid climbing. You are hanging on every one of those uh, Not back then, man. <laughs> not back then. It, it does seem like that's the biggest thing is your own competency, that own level. You can look back and say, I, I understand what I'm doing. And then your gear is to back you up. And I think that's a hard thing to understand is your gear doesn't get you up roots. You get yourself up roots. Well, what Topher said reminded me of that is that, again, like he said, you can challenge yourself climbing or you can sort of test the safety equipment you know and and really you know i didn't fall on a piece of trad gear for a couple years uh when i was starting to climb and it was pre-bolt so we were always climbing on gear but it just didn't seem like the right thing to do so i placed hundreds of nuts that i never i don't know if they would have worked 
because I never tested them. You know, I never fell on them anyway. But, you know, so it's like there is a lot of ego involved of like rushing a little bit too headlong into what you're trying to do out there, you know. And again, like the ego, I mean, I was in my 20s, so it was, it was definitely hard to keep it in check. Like, let me let me back up. I always joke that, especially back when I was guiding, that when we were heading up to the book, which is up on Lumpy Ridge, a bunch of classic, classic, like, eights and nines and, you know, multi-pitch routes there, I could walk up to the base of the crag because I was there, like, every day. And if there were people milling about, I could just kind of glance at and, and I knew what they were going to go climb. You know, it's like, those guys, yep, they're going over to the 5.6. Those guys, up, oh, oh, no, they look like they're probably going to go do that 5.11. And so... There was like some way in which they were conducting themselves that I could kind of tell which group they sort who, of who had in. hexes, who didn't. Yeah, that was part of it actually. <laughs> but all I knew is that in a lot of ways, I think all of us can go to a cliff and we can look around and we at least know the people who've got their shit together. Like it's kind of weird, but we know. And so I, I kind of like wanted to sort of talk about like what is the difference between these people? Like Kevin what's the difference between me as a, as I was 20 years ago and and as, as the climber I am now? Besides, That's a very different question. Yeah, well. it, it seems like you have that time when you're like my ego's it's new. I'm I'm pretty good in the gym, and then you try to perform, and and you're constantly getting beaten down. And I think what changes is over the time you've had people come to you and be like, hey, Chris, don't do that, or this is better, and you've heard them, and in a way you've probably been like. I want to do my way, but honestly, your way is better. And I think the more of that you've gotten, probably that's helped your skill set, right? You both looking in books and magazines and articles, but someone directly telling you, "Hey, you know." I don't really know. I'm kind of. I'm kind of. I, I don't really know, like, because that's when I started thinking about this this subject. Like, how did I? When when did I emerge? Like from my little my little poopa, and. <laughs> You pronounced that wrong. Did I? I, 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 I don't want to. I don't want to go into it. But <laughs> I, I'll answer your question anyway. How do you pronounce it? Pupae. Oh, pupae, pupa. No. You know what I'm talking about, right? I don't know. It's a cocoon. <laughs> Not the same thing I was it's thinking. A, a, okay. a emerging. <laughs> anyway, so I have an idea on that. Okay. You know, I think one of the big differences I noticed between the climbers who are sort of like beginners wanting to advance into being able to go climb most things, and I think the the point of climbing that's changed a little bit is that you. It's more about being able to go out and have adventures on, on cliffs, it, which is a sort of an unnatural thing in a way. Even though the movement is super natural, sort of fundamental monkey business, it's super fun. But the, but climbing a vertical cliff and trying not to hit the ground is a fairly ridiculous concept. And but we have these and systems and complicated. But we have these systems we use to be able to do it, and and they work really well. Yeah, I mean, I've climbed a hundred days a year for close to well, at least the last thirty years, and. Haven't had any major issues yet, and it could happen any time, I suppose. But it's been—it's great, you know. You learn how to do it safely, and you can climb every day pretty safely. And and uh, so, th- th- my point is that you there's one of the big differences I notice is the ability to shift gears. And what I mean by that is a lot of people go out and they put thirty percent of their effort into trying to put in protection and keep themselves safe. They put 30% of their effort into climbing, and they put 30% of their effort into trying to be in the, on the right climb, which means you're only living up to about a third of your abilities in any one event of those three. And so you need to be able to shift to where you, you, you put 100% of your effort into getting the safety systems in place, and then you want to be able to turn off your safety systems monitor forget about all that shit and go climbing just 
Go climbing. Like, let it go. You know you're safe. You're far enough off the ground. You have a whole bunch of good gear in. It doesn't matter whether it's bolts or gear. You want to got a whole bunch below you. Carabiners break. It's not going to matter. You're, you know, if something pulls out of the rock, it's not going to matter because you have a whole bunch below you. And then you go for it, and you just play and have fun. And that's what a lot beginners are not able to do, and more intermediate advanced climbers can do, is they can let it go and just play and have fun and, and put 100% into the gear placement when you have to on a stance. And then once you've got it and you're safe... Then get it on. I do. I I don't climb that way. I wish I did. (laughs) I get scared, terrified, all that stuff. And I wish I could be in that place where I let things go. So to me, it's more internal. I have to go back into my ego and say, hey, you know, what's not feeling right? What am I not thinking about? And I think um, that's my ideal, right? Just to be like, it's 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 dialed, it's solid. My gear's good. Let's focus on like. You know, doing doing great climbing, like sometimes. But I really feel like um, you grew up in a situation where you were taught how to climb from a very young age, like age five or something, something like that. But I I had trouble all the way through. I was taught to never fall off, <laughs> and I, I didn't succeed at that. Yeah, yeah. Topher's dad was definitely old school. You do not fall on anything, pretty much. Like, don't test it. Don't even worry about it. No, you worry. You don't test. Yeah, yeah. You, you never fall. Never fall. And, I, and then I fell immediately. Like, I went out leading, and I fell off, like, the first time. It didn't work. <laughs> and what happened? Well, I was fine. The, I mean, the rope system worked. I mean, the whole idea of not falling didn't last long for me. <laughs> All right, well, let, let's get into this, then. If you guys, you know, you're, you're guiding, or, or um, this summer you're going to be guiding... Um, We've all got friends of all different levels of climbing, and I was starting to think about like when people come to me, or I am being a mentor, which I have been uh, on several occasions, or helping someone climb. Like, what are some of the go-to sort of things that you just like instantly say? Well, here's something that you could try. Because let me say this: is that a lot of people come to me, or they they talk about wanting to be a better climber. Like, I want to be a better climber. It's it's sort of infused in the sport. Like, you're always trying to think about like how can I climb a harder grade or or whatever else. And, you know, it's kind of like you feel like I just have to try harder. You know, it's like when people want to climb faster. People always say, I want to climb faster. I say, well, what are you doing to do that? I'm just going faster. But, you know, it's like what do you want to tell them to do? Like what can we we tell them to do? Like, for example, I, I always tell people to sweat the small stuff. There seems to be this point at which, you know, a climber decides that, okay, to do this route, I need to be as light as possible. So they buy the lightest harness on the on the market, and when they climb that route, if they can, they they limit all as much stuff as they can off their harness, like dropping you know the brush out of the toothbrush out of their out of their their chalk bag, or getting lighter weight beaners, or finding the lightest cams. And a, and a lot of people like kind of like scoff at this, right? Especially at a certain level, like they're just like, well, what difference does it make if I have my my you know this all this junk on my harness? Like, what difference does it make if this is a little bit heavier? And yet, I talked to my really good climbing friends. Like, I just climbed with Josh Wharton a, a few weeks ago, and even at my age and as long as I've been, he showed me like a bunch of ways to lose weight off of his rack. Like, super meticulous, weird, like kind of shaving down your toothbrush backpacker style or whatever. And yet. 
if I want to be a good climber, why not emulate this guy who is one of the greats? That's one of the, the things you do. Yeah. But you also read. You also practice. Right. Go out on your own, etc. Well, how did you put it? Shaving your toothbrush to get better? I mean, if I ever have to shave my toothbrush to get to be a better climber, I'm just going to be worse because I don't need to shave my toothbrush. No, no. I was talking about you know long you know trail I mean. hikers. You know, they, they like whittle, like take buttons off of clothes and whittle their... You never heard that? Yeah, yeah they yeah, go yeah. crazy with the weight thing, you know. Right. But and I, well, I've turned it into the experience that I share with that person for the day. That seems to be the biggest thing: is what do we want out of the day? Do you shave their toothbrush? I, I do, of course. If that's a, that's a given. But toothbrushes, what it, what it is, is like when you, too big, when too small. My partner and I are like, let's go do this multi pitch route. We're finding is let's make it organized. Let's make it clean. Let's make the experience. Um, an organized outing and that seems to be a, a great way to save time it also builds that trust between each other and together you can kind of do more routes and so I'm finding the biggest gains is not just for me but kind of the team and I think that kind of brings in mentorship but also kind of that trust You like Tofu was saying everything is lined up just go for it Right. and this kind of helps us both get to that place you know, so like, one of the things I notice do? about my climbing partners when I go out and I've, I've climbed with I don't know how many people. Probably, I've probably climbed with a thousand different people in my life. And what I notice about the people that, are, that I really enjoy climbing with, one of the things is that they don't really care about any of that shit that you're talking about. And one of them is <laughs> what, like, they what show exactly up. do you mean? Well, what I mean is that they show up at the belay. So I just let a pitch. So I went up first. And they show up behind me, and they and the, you know all that stuff of how you organize your rack and where you put your thingamajig and your whatchamacallit. And they get up there to the rack, to the belay, and they don't even stop. They just right. keep going. Isn't that what? And I just the, love it when they do that. They oh, just like the head on up, and they just don't care what they got. And they go on up, and they they make themselves safe with what they have. And when they're safe, they go for it. They run the rope out to the very end where it's like pulling on me, you know. And it's like, all right, now I'll stop and, and belay you up, and we'll keep it safe. And they don't. It doesn't really matter all these technical details and all that stuff. Yeah, you're but talking that, about. I I completely disagree with you <laughs> because you climb with people. The reason they blow through there is because. They know what's going on, and they know what they need, and they know where it is. They're aware of all those things. And I can guarantee they don't show up with slings, you know, dangling around their feet with their nuts, you know, like, and just leave it there. So Yeah, their nuts all go down about that what, point. What I, well, you know, what I'm saying is that I, the reason I disagree with you is, is not really in, in substance, but in the reason they turned up at that thing and was able to blow through is because they have their shit dialed tight they're used to being into that zone because i have the same type of partners that i climb with and they know what's going on at every second and they don't have to stop and get everything reorganized because they were in the moment doing it on the way up you know they don't just leave it all hanging off themselves and dangle up the next pitch you know i mean i I know some of your great partners and i've climbed with them as well so you know it's like yeah i guess we're guess we're making the same point i'm exaggerating a little bit but my point is that it doesn't really matter which brand you're climbing with or which sizes you have with you or what you're you know those things the reality is you go up and whatever point you're at like and the cool thing about climbing is it's very real time like at that particular spot you're at what is your risk what safety do you have in place to keep your from something bad happening and if you can answer those questions i have something safe in place and it doesn't really matter what it is it could be a tree it could be a bolt that was super modern it could be an old hex it could be a fixed piton that's in a good spot you know it's a good spot and you 
and you, then you can go for it and you can play the game. You can get your monkey on and like have fun climbing. And people who get really caught up in the, all the details of all the technique, I think, I think these days in our modern age of, of technology, we have a potential to get so distracted by our equipment that we forget to pay attention to what's really important. And that's where I think it's important to pay attention to your real risk and, and evaluate your perceived risk versus your real risk. Is Your, your perceived risk is you're going to fail and you're going to be a pussy and you're going to end up being an aid climber. But your, <laughs> your real risk is that you're going to deck and hit the ground and splatter. And that's the stuff that matters. It doesn't matter if you pull on your gear. Aid climbing is great. It's just that you want to make sure you don't splatter. And if you're so worried about being successful that you're willing to risk splattering for your own self-aggrandizement, which I think is the word you were looking for Thank earlier. You. Nice. That you uh, that you're willing to splatter for your ego, then you need to question yourself. And if you're willing to just go up and have an adventure and keep yourself safe, then you're in the right spot. So I guess I'm I'm like, I'm like uh, I'm sort of grasping at. Uh, you guys are kind of like sort of saying like none of it matters, and you just keep oh, climbing until that. you no, until no, no. you get good at it. Topher's just, just a happens. more experienced climber than me. You know, he learned a different way. I, I learned. I've been hurt climbing. Mm-hmm. I've had gear pull. I've broke my nose on the on the rock you know so i know how it feels to, for things to go wrong and that's something i've had to work on personally and the thing is the more aware you are of what can go wrong as a beginner climber uh that might dictate your decision making you might say hey you know if i if i do this i might break an ankle and they might actually understand risk versus reward and that's a hard thing to do without real experience so when i when i go out with new climbers and they want to learn trad we do mock leading and they fall on the gear and they hear it crunch in the rock and they understand this is how it actually feels to take a real fall. And then they understand going forward what it feels like to engage. Mm-hmm. But to engage without knowing the repercussions uh, can create uh, uncomfortable situations or put you in a, a, a really risky situation. For me, I don't like to get into the whole, well, climbing hard doesn't matter because to me it matters. And to most of my climbing friends, somewhere down the line, it matters. Because if it doesn't matter because of the grade, it it matters because you want to climb this route and it happens to be hard. You know, taking one of your great ascents all on the watchtower up in the bugaboos. You guys wanted to climb that. You wanted to free it. You know, and okay, did it turn out to be 13 or 12 or whatever? Maybe didn't matter, but you wanted to get better because you wanted to do that climb. And, and you know, Andrew and I talked on another show about that of, of wanting to get better because it opens up these options. And when you see something and you want to climb it, Odds you have better odds the that better you're going to be able to do it. Yeah. You're just cleaner lines with safer and falls. So, you know, so I, I guess you know this kind of like yeah, just go out and always have fun and, and all that. I like that attitude and I think it's a really important attitude. But for me, I'll admit that it's not everything to climbing. Like I am, a lot of people are happier when they're climbing better. You know, and and the truth is, is if we go out and we fail a whole bunch. We didn't necessarily have fun or, or whatever. So I guess I'm just kind of like getting into why and how, you know, we approach this thing on a more active level to, to become better versus just like making sure is, that. Is being better a higher number or is being better a more honest climber? I think it's both. Like I just said, I mean, it, it, it doesn't have to be a higher number, but, you know, you go to Yosemite and you're looking in the book and it's like, okay, in this book I can climb 20 routes if I can climb 5.9, but if I can climb 5.10, I can climb 50 routes and, oh my God, look at that. How hard is that? That looks awesome. 
oh, shoot, it's 512, I can't do it. Maybe next year I'll be good enough to climb it. You know, it's, the grades are mixed in with the possibilities in terms of, like, what do I want to get done? And, I, you know, I, the Phoenix is amazing. Oh, shoot, it's 513. Maybe next year. How am I going to get you there? You do wrap into the Phoenix so you could actually try it and right. see how it feels. But, but I mean, how am I going to get there is what I'm asking. Like, well, you know, I would say if you're not going to hire a guide, even actually if you're going to hire, hire a guide. Hire a guide. Yeah. I'd say hire a guide. If you're going to, even no matter what, I think the best thing you could do to go That's from a, a beginner climber to a solid climber is hire a guide and then go I mean I've been making fun of aid climbing all night right, right. but go aid climbing and the reason you should go aid climbing is because every single piece of gear you put in you're going to hang on it and you're going to see what it does in the rock and you're going to get a you're going to get a sense of how it reacts to your body weight now your body weight's going to be nothing like actually falling on it I mean they talk about placing a piece of equipment in the rock and pulling on it to, they say well test it test it are you think you can test it you know how much force you put if you fall on a like, can you guys pull down like 2,000 pounds you know I don't know anyone who can pull down that hard so go aid climbing I get close you can Chris could yeah I mean, Chris could but most people can't so I think that's one of the best things you could do is actually go do a, a moderate aid pitch and see how that gear works and nobody does it anymore aid climbing is like this sort of lost art but that, I mean Chris Calouse is a badass and if he hadn't hung on so much gear he would be nearly as good as he is today <laughs> <laughs> I will uh, I will simply accept the compliment about being a badass and I will agree with you is that the, the hanging on the gear thing which and what he's getting at is I used to be really into aid climbing um, I'm not so much anymore but I did a lot of wall climbing in Yosemite and that sort of thing you just hang on better gear now yeah I do exactly but the thing is that was, bolts I hang on bolts now you were able to <laughs> look at your experience and apply that to a bigger thing like well, freeing harder routes the interesting thing about it though is that it actually made me more scared you um, knew it failed. Yeah, because things failed, and I and I, there was times when when stuff popped that I thought for sure was awesome. You took you told yeah. me on your biggest your first solo fall was on uh, what was it Echo Tower? You clipped the something off the anchor. And it was a big knot of mess. Yes, and took like that's a correct. Yes. Or something. Yeah, yeah. His biggest fall was off a belay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was like the first move on the pitch. Yeah, I, I was. I'll just have to tell the story. I was. It's not so badass. I, no, I was soloing. And I had just taught myself how to solo two pitches before with a, with a clove hitch, uh, self-belay. And so I was at this anchor, and I was like, okay, all right, I got – how do I do this? I tie this in. I'm, like, running it all through in my head, and, and I'm like, okay, so this looks pretty easy. I'll just – because with a self-belay thing, you have to kind of give yourself rope ahead of time and then move a little ways and then give yourself rope. And so I was like, oh, I'll just give myself, like, a good bunch of rope so I don't have to mess with it. And I, like – put my aiders into this loop right off the belay and I know it's a podcast so we can't do it visually but it, I, it, I stepped into it and it was like a cartoon where someone just steps off the end of something and falls and I just and I took a, like a 30 footer right? Oh, yeah, it was probably like a 15 to 20 foot factor 2 fall onto the anchor with like a huge rack of iron like I basically like if, I, if it was my age now I would have like I would have broken my back like luckily I had a young 19 year old back to fall onto but that, that's what he's talking about we all know you have a huge rack of iron but the point that, that brings back my original point that it doesn't really matter the point was you forgot to pay attention to the fundamental no. it doesn't matter what you're, you gotta pay attention to what you're tied See, into the, I didn't forget I didn't know you didn't know and that's that was a the thing differentiation. Had someone shown you but the hey. results were the same whatever yes I had not I, had, I was not aware of what I was really up to I was only soloing because my partner girlfriend showed up and then he wanted to go hiking with her so we, so I was you like hike? I don't hike I was like alright 
fuck you, I'm going climbing. I'll figure this out on my own. And that's the only reason I was soloing. So I didn't know any better. I didn't know what I was doing. Because the other problem was is I'd left my jugs up on the anchor, so now I was, I was hanging down there like, and I had to hand over hand back up to the anchor. So you have, you have a huge rack of iron and jugs? Yes, I do. <laughs> so, so what did you learn there? Did you learn that uh, you should test your gear more accurately? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But my point is this, is I could have, I mean, I really honestly could have totally wrecked myself right there. So, but I, I don't begin, know what beginners my point was. do, some don't, but either way, I think it's terrifying to learn how to track climb without a mentor or without a, a proper uh, instruction. I mean, I, I read different books and et cetera. And I moved to Yosemite, and I was super, super green and just went through the School of Hard Knocks, and it's not that cool. I mean, I made it. I was like, oh, everything works out. Everything doesn't work out. It can, or you can go to the hospital, you know. Yeah, and it's true. I mean, we, we you know, I'm, I'm like Topher. I've, I haven't been involved in uh, uh, many accidents in 20-some years, but I have plenty of friends who have been. But when you were doing, like, Fisher stuff, you had to back off routes and learn a new system, right? So you could finish off a hard aid route, like, learn about how, like, copperheads fit and stuff. So in a way, is that kind of comparative to, like, easier climbing, where a climber will only learn the next step by someone showing them or a a technique that they don't already know? Certainly. Yeah, certainly. I didn't mean to cut you off. I don't know. I mean, I I disagree with you a little bit, Chris, in the sense that I think climbing can be learned in a really awesome, positive way. I think it's way better than something like kayaking or surfing, where you're out there on your own, you get smoked by a big wave, or you get in a rapid that's over your head. Like, you have a rope, and you have these systems that are incredibly strong, and we have this gear that works great. And And a lot of it, too. Yeah. And if you can find a mentor, or you can afford to hire a guide, I think climbing's the best it's ever been. And I think you can learn to do it safely. And I think you can you can go through the process of learning in a way that's really fun and really safe. And the point is that when I say it doesn't, the gear doesn't matter so much, you want to make sure you don't ever trust a single piece of gear. You don't want to have this complete confidence in this little techie equipment that came out last year. And you saw this really cool ad, with this really cute boy or this really cute girl. And you decide that that's what you really want to do. They're like, man, they trust it. So I'll trust it. I'm all about it. Like, that's why I say the gear doesn't matter. But at the same time, it all does matter. And all these systems we have are amazing now. Like, I mean, when I learned to climb, you weren't supposed to trust anything. Like, think about how hard it is to learn to climb when you're not supposed to trust anything. It was absurd. And now, climbing's fantastic. Like, you can, it's cool, it's sexy, it's. I'll just leave it at that. But, like, I, I mean, I think it's a great time. So, to learn. So I'm super are... jealous of all the youth who are learning to climb now. Like, climbing sucked to learn back when we learned, but now it's awesome. Well, you have gyms and, and people. You know, dress in better-looking clothes. Yeah, and girls climb. Yeah. That's a big difference, yeah. <laughs> That's a huge difference, actually. Would you have had more fun if you learned from maybe a variety of mentors when you were learning how to climb? Well, I mean, I, I think we all learn in – the, in the end, we all learn in a combination of, of ways. And, you know, I went through – learning with my bros where we were all on the same level and like had close calls probably some if you that, were a little bit better cer- that <laughs> <laughs> certainly that we we uh you know probably had cl- close calls we never even knew about you know that if someone had fallen or done something at that moment to to stress the anchor maybe it would have failed but you know i i guess i just kind of lucked out in that sense of of getting through those times because like i said we know plenty of people that you know, if they if they weren't killed, they had horrible accidents. Or you read about them in the magazines or in accidents of North American mountaineering. And as a experienced climber, I just go, "Oh my God! Like, how could they have done that? Like, that well, was you've like also the been in that ever. same place, yeah. right? And you're like, it didn't happen to me. 
And what I've learned is it can't. It will happen to somebody. Sure. The idea is uh, let's try to reduce that from happening. But at the same time, I enjoy climbing. But think about if they had like a accidents in North American interstate highways right. book. Like it would be enormous, right? And we could all learn from people's accidents. But we sure. don't have one of those. Right. So climbing is sort of this under this microscope of risk because people go up these vertical cliffs and they fall off. And most of the time the systems work, and occasionally they don't. But if you learn right, you can you can do mm-hmm. it safely. And and there's and so climbing, I think, it's this unfair reputation for being exceptionally risky. And there's all these superstars out there pushing the limits. And there's the beginners who make mistakes on the other side. But in between, there's like all the rest of us who just go out and have fun like every day, year after year after year. And and most of us like really don't have major accidents. I mean, and, I've had like and if two you learn in right, years, yeah. You know, if you <laughs> if you can. And I would say if you're gonna ever hire a guide, the best time to hire a guide is when you're learning to lead. The thing is, as I've learned, is the I'm still learning climbing. It's been 22 years. I'm, I'll continue to learn climbing. I'll never uh, reach a point where I'm done learning. And the thing is, is beginner climbers uh, I'll probably have that same mentality. It's who they go to. It's where they get it from. And the people that I meet over the years that are like, hey, I, I read every book. I read every, every article. And I, I, I follow the best steps, whether it's mock leading or whatever. They seem to have a lot of fun. People that get really aggressive, uh, they have moments that set them back because they're terrified. And it's not that cool being terrified. And there's a time and a place <laughs> for it. Right. Um, but my feeling looking back is I did more of that than I needed to. Mm-hmm. And my goal is to – if I see a situation where someone can learn quicker, I try to direct them that way because it's, it's like life's pretty precious and uh, you can end it with bad decisions. Well, in, in terms of two, we've talked about mentors, we've talked about guiding, and, and obviously you learn in a whole mix, because like what you were just asking me about, you know, my beginnings, when I started thinking about this topic, I, I kind of was like, did I have a mentor? Were, there, were they that much better than me? Or in some cases, like my friend Jonathan was, you know, he was like a week ahead of me. You know, he knew how to repel and I didn't, and then I learned how to repel, and then he, he knew how to, you know, whatever, place a cam, and then I caught up with him, so he... In a way, he was a mentor, but it's like a combination. And I started thinking, too, about how, again, I just went climbing um, with Josh a couple weeks ago. And even at 24 years into my climbing career, like, I sat there and without him knowing, I learned a few things, you know, that I think I'll incorporate into what I do. And and, and it's not like we – he's this much better than me. and He's a pretty darn good climber. He's a great climber. (laughs) And and my point is is that I went with him – and right away, I was like, "All right, keep your eyes open. Watch this, because mm-hmm. he. We know that he's he's got these skills, I and so I was thing. ready to find him. And mm-hmm. and that's kind of one of the things I also tell people is like, don't look at these guys and be like, "Well, I'll never be like him." So he's so far out of my league, like I'm not going to do what he's doing. But I mean, you can literally watch someone climb from afar and learn things. Like, you know, for example, I, Chris Mack taught me how to aid climb. I had a buddy named Chris Summit teach me how to boulder and also Russ Bobzine. And then when I, people like Leo Holding or Josh Warden are like, hey, I need a partner for the day, I'm like, oh, awesome. I'm just going to be the observer. And it's a real opportunity to be like, wow, I, I know this much and now I'm seeing this much more. And the more times I do that, the more I can see, oh, will this fit in my quiver of, of skills sure. or is just just like way too much? But to see someone who is that refined to climb that well, it just carries over to you a bit. Maybe that next 510 you do is a little bit smoother. But don't, don't you think that we have a tendency to just be like, well, that guy's just so strong. 
I think that nah, if, he, if I was strong as him, I could climb as well. N- as he not does, everyone's. You know? No two people are the same, and right. some people have better skills. But I think that the first thing you can say is, "I'm not that person, but I wouldn't mind being a little better. What can I learn today?" Because right. um, I think the more that I fought myself over the years, the more I've actually set myself back. But the more my eyes are open, the more I've gone forward. And maybe that's what guiding is about, or mentorship is about: is, hey, let's look at what you can learn, not how rad you can be for the day. What do you think, Topher? I think it's, you're right. You're all right. It's it's fantastic sport, you know. And uh, but I think the main thing is you you have to go out as if you were given a rope and some clips and some snaps and some twine, some trinkets, and you and some thingy jiggy-majiggies, <laughs> and you went out on a cliff, and someone said, "Make sure you don't get hurt." And then you would do a great job. You would keep, keep you would wrap that rope around yourself like 17 times. You'd tie some big honking knot, and you'd hang off the edge, and you'd you'd. You'd grab some holds and you'd go climbing and you'd have a you'd have a good time. And the thing is, I think that probably the most important thing is not to get distracted by the details and at the same time pay total attention to the details. <laughs> wow, that was like a, a Zen cone. <laughs> no, it's true. You know, you kind of got to you got to pay attention to the things that are keeping you alive out there. And, and then, once you've determined that you're safe to play your game, then play your game full out. Don't don't mess around in between where you're sort of half wondering if you're safe and half wondering if you're strong and half wondering if you're sexy and half wondering if you're cool. How many halves was that? That's There's not even not, there's only two halves in any of them. England is the same thing. Like, if you're going to commit, commit wholeheartedly. You're better off than right. being halfway, oh my God, I'm above a bold and I'm terrified and I'm going to fall and break my ankle. It's like I'm going to go because what's inside of me is what carries me to that next place. And where that comes from is, well, you as an individual and what you've learned. And I think where that comes from is somewhat irrelevant. It's how much you've absorbed it. Like when you were taught how to climb without trusting your gear, you learned a little bit more of self, what is inside of you. Right? And, then, and then after that, I mean, it, took, it was hard for me, but I learned how to trust my gear. But I learned how to trust my whole system, not a single piece, not a single mm-hmm. brand, not mm-hmm. a single my favorite piece of gear. This is the one I always like to place when I get scared. That makes no sense at all. You want to like, <laughs> you want to develop a system, and to do that, you need mentors, you need guides, you need a, you need to go out with your friends, you need to climb with other people. It's great to travel the world. I mean, one of the best things I ever did for my climbing was to go to Europe and go climbing where I, with people who didn't we didn't even speak the same language, and I'd look down and be like, are they holding onto the rope, and am I clipped into something strong? And if if I can answer those two questions, yes. Then fucking get it on. Right. So here's the thing. I, I, you, you climbed the wasp, didn't you, some time ago? So they say. And then you took some falls and you did the route, right? No, I didn't really ever fall off of that one. Well, the, okay. I'm looking, at a, I'm looking at some examples of some routes that you've taken some pretty good-sized falls on some relatively small gear. Yeah, that one wasn't one of them. But okay. yes, I've okay. fallen far on small gear. And you don't mind because you understand how it's supposed to work. But my main point, though, no, but the point was is not, yeah, I've fallen on small gear, but the only reason I fall on small gear is because the piece below it was a big piece of gear and a super solid piece of gear. And below that was another big piece of gear. And below that was another big piece of gear. And so the system I had in place and I trusted my belayer and that I was set up a, a, a system that I trusted not a particular piece of gear and once you set up a system that you trust you can do outrageous things that's how these guys are doing it up on like el capitan in yosemite is going up i mean all they need is a good belay anchor i mean the ground is a thousand feet away your rope's only 200 feet long that's, that's true. I'm not quite as bold as you, right. uh, but I would well, say neither that, am I. <laughs> but I would I'm say not as bold as me either. The, the, Wait. The point you're getting at is you're. I go around a lot and I interview a lot of climbers. I'm always like, "How do you get there?" Because I don't get there very much. Like, how do you really let go? Where does that come from? Because I. Oh, feel, that's a whole other show. 
That's the, that's the show about Topher. The thing about what you've done is whether it's been a lifetime of climbing or some self-reflection or whatever else is you've been able to let go and engage in that activity at that time. And if you're going to take a 30-footer or a 20-footer or you're going to get to the anchors, you, you're confident with your actions that go forward. And I think what a beginner climber is, they're not confident yet. And even an intermediate climber, they want to be. Maybe they're not there yet. And even where I'm at with a little more experience, I'm not there yet. You know, And so... I, I, I would argue that no one's there yet. Like you ask, I mean, I've climbed with like Tommy Caldwell. You know, he's like the best climber in the world. And he, when we, we go out, when we go out and he's doing something super rad, he's not confident either. He's really? a beginner in his world. Oh, and you know, and it, I mean, not, oh, he's man, beyond, he's not he's beyond my world. He's Walk beyond, away. Yeah, I mean, he's beyond my world. But the thing is, is when you're pushing yourself through the next thing, you're a beginner in your own world. And and you know, and and so what you do is you go in with these fundamentals that you always concentrate on. And I think they are things like, I mean, one of the biggest things about climbing is concentrated on on the the real risk versus the perceived risk Mm -hmm. so you're out there and you you're terrified but you're like you're there's a bolt at your knees and it's one of like the last 17 bolts you clipped and you're terrified and i can say i'm terrified i have the same feeling it's like oh my god i'm gonna fall and plummet towards earth at 32 feet per second squared (laughs) and it's gonna be horrifying and you do it and you do it again and again and again and finally you're like all right it's not really that bad and then you don't climb for a little while and you go out and it's like oh i'm gonna plummet towards earth at 32 feet per second squared i'm terrified again you're like oh here we go again god i really have to go through this process again and everybody has to go through the process and and everyone climbs like what I said in the very beginning is everyone's having a similar experience from the best climbers in the world to the total beginners and the important thing that matters is you do it without getting yourself hurt yes that's true you don't want to get hurt in the process but here's the thing I was having a talk with Dean Potter 15 years ago or something and it was a really small thing but I was like Dean you climb the nose again and again and again and again and it's really impressive I climb it I'm always kind of scared what do you do and he's like it's zen eyes beginner eyes and I was like I don't even know what that means but what, it, what I I'm looking at it back again and again and again it means approach each thing like it's new and that you have a fresh set of eyes and so if you were scared last time that was last time this is now and it's a bit of the inner kind of reflection and don't try to get too um, out there but the main thing you're, is you're pretty out there is, is the main thing is bring saying, it back. bring it back. Is what what it in. what feels good to you and how to make extend that versus what can I charge through? And I find that the, the biggest gains have been saying, oh well, how would I how about I do the nose again? And this time, I'll just try to free climb more, or this time I'll I'll bring a different rack, or this time I'll bring something new. And so the element is really getting into that zone where it's you focusing on climbing, and your tools are secondary. And so I do the same route again and again and again and again. That's what I was talking about the whole time. The gear doesn't matter. Well, me getting to that state is what's hard. And, I, and maybe other climbers that have less experience feel that way more. But I, I do feel like that it's um, being comfortable with your systems. And to me, picking the same route allows it to get less and less unknowns and more and more knowns are I want to get to that next hold versus I don't want to rip my gear out. You know, you're kind of moving beyond those steps. And... Um, I'd say that in some ways I'm, I've gotten success, and other ways is I set back too. And so it's the, th- the more honesty you get, the more um, self-reflection you get, the more progression my climbing has had. And it, it comes back to inner honesty and, and without being too esoteric. Or... Perfect. Amen. 
Yeah, I'm going to give you the last word, Chris. Oh, really? Because we're out of time. <laughs> Thanks, you guys, for coming up. I really appreciate it. It was a very far-flung, far-reaching conversation. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed listening in. And uh, I'm going to put it out probably in about a month. So if you have never heard the podcast, that's, it's at enormalcast.com. There's, uh, there's 57 episodes up, um, interviews with everyone from Mr. Alex Honnold to Lynn Hill to a bunch of people you've never heard before but want to hear and uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for sticking around for an hour and listening. Topher, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. It's been an honor. And thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> and you guys, don't forget to check your knots. <laughs> Beer? You better call room service. We got beer. You haul beer up this rod. You're insane. I may be insane, but I'm not stupid. I didn't carry it. You did. It's in your pack. So, mm-hmm. Jenna Kirkpatrick. Yes, Chris. You are not a climber. I am not a climber at all. I'm a surfer. A surfer. <laughs> and you were hanging out today at the party and listening to the podcast and wrote a poem. I did. And uh, performed the poem, and I missed the recording, so um, or I didn't record it when you performed it with the band. So we're going to do a version of it here. Okay. Thanks for taking your time to do this. This is for Danny. It's Danny's birthday today, so... Danny's bulge, getting your anchors together, base of the crag, people milling about, omniscient, same way in which they were conducting themselves, an age thing, go to a cliff, stand at the edge, and know that we've got our shit together. I'm new, hey, I'm pretty good at the gym, please don't fucking do that, your way may be better. When did I emerge from my little pupae, my poopay, my poopay, go out and have adventures on cliffs? It's fundamental. Monkey business. 100 days a year for 30 years. And how old are you? First questions, shift gears, splitting up percentages and tactics. 100% secure, like singing or anything. Relax. When you're competent, then you play and have fun. Once you got it, you get it on. Fear creeps back to ego. What am I not thinking about? I was taught to never fall off. Never fall off. Worry, don't test. Never fall. Shave your toothbrush, pare down your backpack. I'm not shooting for a number, chasing grades, or digesting the byproduct of a system. I'm having the most fun being my best, competent, clear, long trail hiker. Organization of the team creates trust for the concrete. I go up, and I get safe. With my nuts scraping the ground, dialed tight, getting my monkey on. Do you want to clap? (laughs) 
Oh, you snapped, dude. Oh, that's right. It's freaking poetry. <laughs> wow, that was awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yes. Yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy.